Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Slumber Party Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Jusen. I'm joined today with my co-host, Lisa Ramrine. She is the operations manager at Baby's Best Sleep, and she does all the things in the background that I can't or I'm very bad at. <laughs> welcome, hey. Lisa. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, today, I, well, I mean, you do so much you do so many things that I'm like, hi, can you do this? And you're like, yes, calm down. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now today we're, we have such a great episode and I know I say this every episode, we have a guest that I can't believe we didn't think about this before. I can't believe we haven't had this topic, Um, but it's true. And this is uh, today we have Rachel on and Rachel is coming at us because she has a toddler Moving to, da da da, no nap. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Rachel, tell me everything that's going on. Jump right in. Okay, so I have a daughter who's about to turn three, and it's, okay. it's kind of funny because when she was a baby, she was like a terrible, terrible napper, like chronic crap nap. Um, I actually mm. took your nap course. Like, and I was on the original recording of it. And oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the next day she slept, like, took like two hour naps and she never stopped. Um, so my kid loves napping. Um, Amazing. Which is great. Like who complains about a napping kid, right? Like we get a break. Yeah. She gets her rest. Um, it's awesome. Uh, but we're starting to kind of like eye the next stage um i have a 10 month old baby who's on two naps and so our toddler's on one nap and it feels like we're constantly nap trapped uh i've I've done a little work to align the afternoon nap slightly but you know they're just got short windows uh Mm -hmm. we don't get much family time and she's also having a harder time falling asleep at night i've tried Mm -hmm. tapping the naps She's like really cranky if I cap the naps and I just, you know, incur like the wrath for the next hour after I wake her up. Um, <laughs> so she likes her sleep, but they're kind of inconvenient and yeah. um, it, she's not doing so well falling asleep at night. Like sometimes it takes her up to an hour. Okay. Okay. Can you break down the exact timing of the nap? And I'd like to know what time your bedtime is and what time nap time is. And you said you're waking her up, right? Yeah. So um, on the week, so when she's home with us, like she's usually in daycare Monday to Friday and she naps there about 1230. They wake her up at two um, to take her to the bathroom. Um, and that's actually going to change next month. She'll move up to the, like the preschool class and her nap will be shorter there. Um, I think they'll allow for 45 minutes. Um, but on the weekend, what we do is she wakes up between seven and seven 30 in the morning. We're putting her down for a nap around one so that it aligns with our baby who goes down at two. Um, we let her sleep two hours. Um, we try capping it at like an hour, an hour and a half. And again, she just gets like very grumpy. Um, mm-hmm. And then bedtime is usually between 7.30 and 8. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think um, 
Right off the top, I think you're so lucky to have a child that wakes up at 7.30. So don't tell anyone that. My, my baby doesn't. <laughs> that to yourself. <laughs> my baby doesn't, so I, I know I don't take it for granted. You're like, yes, we got lucky here. So I think that you're in a little bit of a predicament because it sounds like she needs some sort of um, – sleep pressure release, right? As you're saying, like when you're waking her up, she seems cranky. Um, but it could also be, I don't want us to mistake that too much because it could be that we're waking her up and she is in the middle of a deep sleep cycle, right? Um, so, so we might be catching her just at a point where she doesn't want to be awake. So it depends on what stage of the sleep cycle that we're waking her in as well. Uh, so we could be waking her at a time where she's honestly in like the deep part of her sleep cycle. Um, and so when, when we're woken up in the deep part, it really sucks. So do you have any idea about um, – her sleep cycle length like do you have a general idea of how long that would be for her i don't anymore um okay not since yeah um but i know like there have been a few naps where she's napped for like 30 45 minutes um mm -hmm. and and kind of stopped um sometimes she'll just wake up naturally after an hour and a half so my guess is it would probably be around 45 minutes Okay, that's helpful. So then we can kind of work backwards from there where we can do, instead of waking her at the two hours, we can start waking her at an hour and a half. So just at the end of that 45-minute cycle. Um, that's, that's a little tip. But I do think, so when we are experiencing these times where it's literally hours upon hours to fall asleep, then chances are that I think it might be time to get rid of the nap. Now this, you are in a little bit of a funny position where, I, I mean, I had this, my daughter was three and if she slept for any amount of time, whether that was 30 minutes or 45 minutes, mm -hmm. she would be up until 10 o'clock. Lisa, do you remember this? Yes. And this is what, this is where we're at right now. Like we have to oh, check yeah. in with our preschool teacher to make sure she didn't this find the nap room for that day do you remember that frantic call you got from me a few weeks back yes um my daughter came home from school and she just casually dropped a dinner that um she found the nap room in her preschool and when i say that my body went cold <laughs> i mean it <laughs> I, I thought it really funny. So Lisa gave me a call and she's like, hi, how are you? I'm like, fine. She's like, so blah, blah, blah. go on the nap room. And then we both just went, oh, no, no, no. Um, because if the nap does happen, it does impact bedtime. So there's a couple of ways that you can deal with this. I'm not, my gut is telling me I might be wrong. And I need to spend more time, but I'm going to give you several options, Rachel, to, to kind of play with here so that like if you try one thing and it's not working, you have a plan for the future. My gut is telling me she can sleep two hours during the day at three years old and still go to bed by 830. Then she probably needs some sort of nap still. And if you're waking her and she's super tired, that indicates to me that we probably still need to keep some nap. Mm -hmm. That being said, 
if you do keep that and we like nail her, you know, her wake window, we figure out that it's, you know, between 45 minutes to one and a half hours, then we can say, okay, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is let's start capping naps at the end of sleep cycles. So around 45 minutes to one and a half hours, let's start doing that. And if we, when we allow her to have naps, If your child needs naps, they are reducing a significant amount of their sleep pressure during that nap. And when they're three years old, that means we can't have 7 p.m. bedtimes or 7.30 p.m. bedtimes. Sometimes we're looking at bedtimes anywhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. Now, nobody likes to hear that or say that, but I bet it's probably (laughs) happening anyway in her bed, right? It's happening quietly, and I'm enjoying a glass of wine downstairs. <laughs> and listen, that's yeah. your prerogative, okay? You don't need to tell me what you're doing at that time. But it's pro- It's really normal. Um, I-, I know. Like, it's so funny. I feel like I... I started this business so conservative about like wake windows and bedtimes and early bedtimes. And I've totally just based on my understanding of sleep pressure and the science of homeostatic sleep pressure, I, I've totally changed my tune on everything and that it needs to be adequate. So for some of you listening to me right now, you're going to think I'm cuckoo in suggesting a 9 p.m. bedtime for a three-year-old. Um, but if they are napping, we can't have it all. Mm-hmm. Your kids only have so much in them. So we're really asking a lot of them to have early bedtimes plus pretty significant naps. Yeah, so sure. what do we do about that? that. Yeah. And I think like, so for you, Lisa, Charlie is mostly on no naps right now, would you say? She is a no nap kid and she dropped it um, just right before preschool um, Mm -hmm. last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it works for us because we have older kids, as uh, some of your listeners know. And so, you know, when a 12 year old and a 10 year old are awake, it's pretty hard (laughs) to keep that that bedtime at 7.30 p.m. But sometimes when she does take a nap, it does give us that time. Like Rachel was saying, we have that family time, you know, we'll watch a later movie or, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll go for that later walk with the dog now that it's nice and warm as a whole family. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, it is nice. Um, Mm -hmm. But but then, of course, you run into that problem where you don't have any time for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. The the wine o'clock is significantly decreased and that's tough. But okay. So then if we were saying, okay, I'm not quite ready to get rid of the nap. Then I want you to try to move the nap back even further. So I would even try 30 to 45 minutes um, to see what we can get there. If it's still the same amount of time, then we say, okay, then we cut the nap and we offer a quite significant early bedtime. So that might be something I wouldn't do any earlier than 630. But Anywhere between 6.30 and 7.30 would probably be appropriate. You will probably start the process off with a much earlier bedtime of um, 6.30 because she won't be able to quite make it. Then when she sort of built up her tolerance or her um, ability to have those long stretches, then we can start pushing to 7, 7.30, et cetera, um, as you need to. So it doesn't have to be so early forever. Um, but while you're initially making that transition, that's probably what we're going to do. And then what do you do when there is no nap? This is the biggest question because 
for me, I relied on that nap time to just like decompress, right? Especially with a three-year-old. Rachel, you must need that time. You have a little one too, right? A little, little one. I, it, it's helpful. Um, but I've heard, <laughs> I've heard of an elusive quiet time. Maybe you're getting there. I'm getting there. I am getting there. Um, and this can be hard for kids because they're like, I don't quite understand how I am supposed to be awake on this planet in the same house as you. And I know that you're here, but I can't be on top of you or right next to you. Please explain. So having your child buy into quiet time can be challenging because all they want to do is come out of their room right? So we're going to have to establish a set of boundaries and rewards and make quiet time a rite of passage and something that happens to big kids instead of something that's a punishment or something they're not looking forward to. So you can say, I have a quiet time. Mommy and daddy have a quiet time. Um, Older kids have quiet times. And actually, you're now old enough. You don't have to nap anymore because you're a big kid now you get a quiet time. So we 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 change the script. We change the PR instead of like, okay, no nap. You got to be in your room. Like kids don't like, they're like, what? No, I, I need this to be something that's like uh, uh, something that I've earned because I'm growing up and I'm bigger and taller. Mm-hmm. So then we take them, this is what I do. When we move to the transition, I suggest for all of my clients that we do a little trip to Dollarama and we get some coloring books and like washable markers or crayons. And we say this, these are the things that you get to do during quiet time. This is what you have earned. So now you get to have coloring, you get to pick it out, you get to pick out some stickers, quiet activities, they can essentially play with whatever they want. Um, I would not suggest personally, like, look, everyone's going to do their own thing. If you're giving your kid an iPad for an hour so you can chill out, like you got to do what you got to do. If you would prefer not to go that route, then I think that anything goes except for electronic devices, um, which can make it hard for children to want to fall asleep. But it also like, I find when we take the iPad away after the hour, it's a lot of, it's like some withdrawal symptoms. Like they just want it. They're cranky. They're fussy when really they could be using that time playfully, right? They could be creative and God forbid bored. That's what we, that's what we want. Right. Mm -hmm. So have that buy-in, make it a really exciting thing, have a trip plan to Dollarama, allow her to pick out a bucket of quiet time toys, and then just keep insisting on it. So then the next part is, okay, how do we get the kids to stay put? So part of it is going to be reinforcing. Now, I had this experience, I'm laughing, so my kids at the beginning of the school year were seven and five, and we have a long time before school, because now because of the pandemic. Kids can't go to school any earlier or play on the the playground. So they have to be at school right at the same time. We have this hour to kill. So I was like, guys, I'm going to exercise for 30 minutes. The first month of me simply going downstairs to exercise for 30 minutes, they could not handle it. They came downstairs. What are you doing? Are you exercising? Can I watch you? Can I sit here? No, you can't. 
This is my own time. You have a million things to do. Go and play with that. I'll be up in 30 minutes. You can put a timer on Google. I will be up in 30 minutes. And it took about a month, but we got there. And I think that the same rules apply for our kiddos. So if they are in a situation where we're putting them in the room, I think it is unwise for parents to expect that their kids will stay. Don't go in there with those expectations because they will disappoint you. You will feel like something is wrong, right? So go in with the idea that for the next month, I am going to fight with my kid to stay in their room, but I am anticipating it and I have a plan. So every time they come out of their room, you simply take their hand and walk them back and just say, quiet time is not over. It would be even helpful or more helpful if you had some sort of visual cue for them. Kids really love visual cues, something that they can check in on. I really like the Hatch Baby Rest. No, the Hatch Baby Rest is not sponsoring me. I wish they were because they sell millions of their products. But the Hatch Baby Rest is something that you can control with your phone, which means Rachel, you can say something like, okay, it's quiet time. When the pink light goes on, you can be out. So let's say we know that she has limited ability to stay. So maybe quiet time for the first day is 20 minutes. And then you turn on the pink light and we give her lots of congratulations. You mm-hmm. did it. I'm proud of you. Oh my gosh. Now that win is worth Oh my God. It's just so powerful for the child to know that they did the thing and they got the reward. If you want to even sweeten the deal and have some rewards attached to this, Rachel, like a sticker chart or something visual or like a Skittle. (laughs) Yeah. And don't underestimate your child's um, need and excitement to be the big kid. Like you don't think it's coming. It's coming and it's going to hit you hard. And they are so excited to be the big kid. And if that's a big kid ability, my goodness, Mm three-year-olds eat that up. I totally agree. I totally Mm -hmm. agree. I also, um, like my youngest daughter's teacher, (laughs) like if she finds kids doing like great things along the day and she just gives them one Skittle, (laughs) which I think (laughs) is the most cutest thing. And it makes my daughter's life every single time. She's like, I got a Skittle. I got a Skittle. (laughs) It's just adorable. So you could use the Skittle trick. Um, uh, Yeah, so we do that. But then when we have what you can do, so we start off with 20 minutes, then we're going to move to 30 minutes, then we're going to move to 45. And then I would say any time between 45 minutes to an hour is appropriate. You're going to calmly walk them back into their room every time they come out. Um, And you're just going to follow the plan and give it a good solid month to really establish something um, as a routine. Great. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's actionable? Absolutely. I have a question. Um, so yes. She's tur- so she's turning three and we have plans to, to eventually graduate her from her crib into mm-hmm. the toddler bed. Um, mm-hmm. Are these like two changes that would be too big to do at once? in regards to her or is it like oh you had a big kid bed you're gonna have quiet time like a big kid like do we kind of lap it all into one exciting milestone um yeah i 
I, I guess I uh, personally am trying to think this. I don't think it's too big of a thing. I think they're all going to kind of come hand in hand, to be honest, because once she's out of the crib, she has a certain level of freedom. Mm-hmm. If you are um, introducing a quiet time and removing the crib, it does feel like all the same thing to me. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more independent. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we need to have an established plan and boundaries in there, right? So I I think it kind of all works itself out because then you need a plan and boundaries for when she wants to leave her room in the middle of the night, right? So if we have these tools in place for a quiet time, they can transfer over really nicely into the evening time as well. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't, I think it's actually all the same thing. I wouldn't be afraid. And like, listen, so many people are worried about overwhelming their children with too many changes. Like if you were to tell me I'm going to the Bahamas and we're living there for a month. And then while we're there, family is moving in. Can I, should I move her then? No, that's a lot. That's a lot for any kid or person to take in. But I'm saying like, if we're doing simple things like offering independence, we don't have to be so afraid. We, we get this question a lot in terms of like actual sleep work where we say, you know, we're going to remove the pacifier and the feed to sleep. And so the parent is always like, wow, that feels like a lot for the kid. But for the kid, it's like, it's one thing. I'm no longer being helped to sleep. And if we say, I'm going to keep this thing to help you to sleep and this thing to help you to sleep. And over five days, I'm going to remove them. We're just asking them to make five changes instead of one. So I think Mm -hmm. when we think about quiet time and this independence in the room, that feels like the same thing to me. So that actually kind of bleeds into my next question, which is, is, is this a change we should institute like all at once or is there like a, you know, are we able to play it a bit ad hoc? Like, oh, you know, you seem really tired today. Today you can have a nap, you know, next day, quiet time. I actually find that most kids sleep during their quiet time. So I think if you were to institute a quiet time and just let her have her own time in her room, she would sleep. They usually like talk to their toys. They're like, yeah, big kid, I don't need a nap, ba 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 ba. And then they just go and grab a book and lay on their bed and then they're up. <laughs> so I, I imagine if she is not falling asleep during the quiet time, chances are she doesn't need the nap in the first place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember we constantly, we had our <laughs> our oldest doing quiet time. We had a big playroom downstairs and we let her do her quiet time downstairs for years and years. And we'd often come downstairs and find her sleeping in like boxes. <laughs> she fell asleep in her toy box in like, we'd have like these giant Amazon boxes and she'd jump into them and like be like, I'm pretending to sleep and then sleep. <laughs> We have a million pictures of her sleeping in the craziest, like, positions. Yeah. That's cute. Awesome. Well, does that feel, does that feel helpful? Did I answer all of your questions about that? So, so helpful. Thank you so much. I feel like we have a great plan and I I know what to look for and kind of working our way towards it. So, yeah really helpful. I love that. And, and, you know, as well, um, 
a quick shout out to the Nat Masterclass. Because <laughs> really, I <laughs> if people love this masterclass so much, it is the best thing I've ever made. Honestly, um, I actually re-recorded it yesterday um, in HD. Um, it's going to have an audio version. Uh, it's going to have subtitles and we're updating all of the, the manuals to make it fresher and brighter and very 2022. So well, stay tuned. for both of my children. So your original version was, was great, but it sounds like there's exciting stuff coming. So. Yay. Yes, there is. Well, on that note, I want to say thank you to Rachel for joining us. Thank you to Lisa. Um, as always, you can find us at babiesbestsleep.com. You can uh, find us on Instagram at babiesbestsleep. We have a lot of this stuff for free on the blog, so uh, slash blog at babiesbestsleep. And the uh, September 22, 2022 certification class is starting, and we are taking early bird registration. So if you are interested in becoming a sleep consultant yourself or you already work with your children and you want to add this to your list of qualifications, go ahead and head over to the website and check out all of our information about the course there. Until next time, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs>